Welcome to Highland. All right, this is the last Sunday in a series that we've been talking about the words of Jesus, come serve with me, his invitation to us. Told you about uh, dirty feet and uh, John 13 and, and Jesus saying, if you call me Lord or master, then do as I do. Talk to you about serving the Lord with zeal, uh, keeping our spiritual fervor, staying at boiling point when we serve. Talk we were serving the Lord. Today, I want to talk about this idea and the phrase, serve him alone. Serve him alone. What do I mean by that? Because, you know, I, I'm not saying serve by yourself because, uh, you know, we talked about serving together and serving side by side. So, you know, I don't mean that. And, uh, you know, I could say serve him only, but you know, that doesn't mean that you should not serve other people because we know that the Lord wants us to serve others as if we're serving him. So what do I mean? What do I mean by this serve him alone? Well, listen to a plea that's based in the gospel story. It comes from Philippians chapter 2, and it starts out this way with Christ. If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, having one, being one in spirit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And get this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, tell, ask me, I want to ask you this question. Who is God the Father going to have every knee bow to? Jesus. Yeah, it's not Reverend Moon and Jesus. Who is God the Father going to have every tongue confess as Lord of all? His name is, that's right, it's not Allah and Jesus. It's not two. It's just one who is in the center of this knee bow. And there's only one who is confessed as Lord of all to bring glory to God the Father. And his name is Jesus. Him alone. He's the only one in the center of this picture. Look at a, another glimpse into heaven. And, and, and it's in Revelation. And we get this glimpse from the Apostle John as he peeks into heaven and he shares with what, what, what he sees there. And he hears, overhears an angel ask this question. And the angel asks, who is worthy to open the scroll? And this scroll is a scroll that brings the end of all things and it begins the beginning of all things new. And, and, and the scripture says this in verse 3, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. 
Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders, and they worshiped him, saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Just want to ask who's in the center of that big circle of everyone being, uh, being worshiped? Everyone, everyone's worshiping. Who's in the center of that circle? Everyone, all of heaven, worshiping him? His name is Jesus. That's right. No one was found in heaven or on earth but one who could open that scroll that brings the end of all things and the beginning of all things new. Who is able to open the scroll? Not not an angel. It's not a creature. It's not a created thing. It's no crystal. It's no no, uh, spirit. It's no tree. It's Jesus alone who is able to open that scroll. Just one. Just one who is able to purchase men for God with his blood and and purchase every tribe, every tongue, every nation. You know anybody else who can do that for you? I don't. I don't. You know, there's a lot of sickness that has gone around the past few few weeks, Uh, people passing on sickness. And I'm always amazed how as, as a human, I can pass my illness off to you, but I can't pass my health to you. I wish I could. It frustrates me to no end. But you know what? Only Jesus is able to pass on health. And he's also the only one who is able to pass on life. And that life is within his blood that wipes out the soul sickness that deforms and mutilates our lives. And it's his blood alone that washes us clean and makes us whole. Him alone. He's the only one worthy to serve Who is on the throne surrounded by angels? Just one person, not many persons. And his name is Jesus. You know, it's ridiculous to put anyone else on that throne or anything else in that position. There's no teacher, there's no guru, there's no rock star, there's no philosophy, no cause that can purchase you for God. There's no angel, there's no tree, there's no crystal or spirit that can open up that scroll that brings about the end of all things and the beginning of all things new. Jesus alone is uniquely qualified because he is God incarnate. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. I don't know if you caught that, but the purpose of our lives is implied in that verse as we relate to the humanity of Christ. You know, what was it were we originally created for? Being made human is to take on the nature of a servant. Being made human is to take on the nature of a servant. Who are you going to serve, though? 
You're made to serve. And you will serve something in this life or someone in this life. I hope it's Jesus. You know, originally, we were made to be God's instruments to serve Him and His plans. We were purposed for good, but we were marred and damaged by sin. And it distorts us to where we start going after to serve other things. You know, Christ came. Christ died upon a cross. He purchased people for God. By faith in Jesus, people can be saved from eternal destruction. But what are we saved for? A lot of people know what they're saved from, but do you know what you're saved for? You know, in the Revelation passage that we just read, there was another thing implied in there about our purpose. We are restored from the damage of sin to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. This was the the good we were originally designed for, and it's what we've been restored for, to serve the Lord and serve Him alone. Him alone. What else do I mean by serve Him alone? Well, you look at the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' words there. And what does he say? No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one or love the other. You know what? As it is in heaven with room for only one person to be exalted in the highest place, so it is in your heart. There is only room for one in the highest place in your life. Only one. Is Jesus the name above every name in your life? Is he the name above every name? For the Apostle Paul, he summarized it this way. He said this in Philippians, where that passage we just read from. He said, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, you could fill in the blank with something else besides Christ on that statement. But you get different results. You can say, for to me, to live is money. And to die is to lose it all. You can put something else in there. You could may, may say fame. For to me, to live is fame. But to die is to be utterly forgotten. How about power? For to me, to live is power. Suck it all up. To die is to let go of all control and never regain it again. You know... You might want to, maybe it's a relationship you can put in that blank, or a person, or what a person thinks of you, you put in that blank. But I tell you what, it'll get you another result. And Jesus says that if you have someone else in that highest place, and you're trying to put both him and someone else, or something else there, you'll hate, you'll despise him. You'll despise Jesus. You love one, or, or you hate the other. That's the way it works. Serve him alone. Serve him alone. What else do I mean by that statement, serve him alone? We'll look at Jesus' word to the crowds who had not yet made up their minds about him. Jesus gives a personal invitation to them. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, a yoke was just simply a device that was used to link the power of two animals to pull a load for for work or for a journey. And it was there was only room for, for two in a single yoke. 
You know, Jesus is inviting you into the yoke with him alone. You and him, no one else. I, I just wanted to show you a picture of this, what it looks like. This is, uh, this is a smaller one, probably used a little Shetland pony over in Europe, pull, pull a flower cart or something. And uh, you know, to put an animal in this, they gotta be kind of tame. They gotta be broken to be able to get into this. There's no way to do it any other way. And they gotta be willing to go into this. And I know that maybe a lot of people uh, think of Jesus maybe standing behind with his whip going like this. But when I read the scriptures, I don't see that picture. Jesus is the one who is on the other side of the yoke with us. And he walks with us. You know, what they try to do with animals is they, they try to have a good team, a good pair. Because if you had one, more, one that was more powerful, it would just drag you along. And you eventually start veering off course. You couldn't pull or go in the direction that you needed to go. That was a problem. You know what? If you try to put, you know, like I said, you're going to serve where we're made to serve. You're going to serve something or someone else. And if you put some, someone else in this yoke with you, they're going to drag you places you don't want to go. It's going to overpower you at one point or another. You know, some people say, well, that's fine. You know what? I'm not going to serve anyone or anything else. But guess what? When you do that, it's just you. It's just you. You're serving yourself when you do that. And you know what happens when you, had two animal, when you just had one animal in the yoke? You go in circles. You don't go anywhere. And that's what happens with us if we're not in the yoke with Christ. Jesus desires us and he invites us, invites us into the yoke with him. He wants to work with us, alongside of us. And he says, look, I'm strong and I'm powerful, but I won't drag you along because I'm gentle and humble of heart. I'll lead you. Take my yoke and, and learn from me. I will teach you. And we'll do this, this journey together. Together. You know, the name Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit in the book of John is a Greek word called paraclete. And literally translated, it means called to one side. That's what it means. And this is how the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, desires to be known by you. How does the Lord see his role in your life? He says, I'm called to your side. And that's why I say, I don't picture Jesus with a whip behind us. He's in the yoke with us. And I just want you to understand, when you call to Jesus, when you call to him to be by your side, I, I want you to know what it is that you're asking and you're agreeing to. It's a call to be saved from yourself, a call to be saved from your sin. and where sin will ultimately lead you to. A destructive life, an eternal separation in hell. But it's not just about what you're saved from, 
but it's what you're saved for, like I've said before. Yes, you are saved for heaven, but it is the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom that is advancing, and you have been set apart as a kingdom of priests to serve our God. When you take up the yoke of Christ, you're coming to him as your rest. You're coming to him as your teacher. You're coming to him as your savior and your Lord, your prince. I find these things in you alone, Jesus. You're my, you're, you're my king. Rule my life. I want you and I want to take your yoke and I want to serve with you, Lord Jesus. I know some, you know, you might be scratching your head going, well, that sounds like work. And I thought salvation was simply believing. You're right. Salvation is given freely to those who believe. But I want you to remember what it is you believe and who you believe in. You're getting in the yoke. It's a covenant with him. He's made with you at the cross. Let me just tell you the gospel story real simply. It's not a set of rules. When we yoke ourselves to Jesus, we're not yoking ourselves to information. Here's the story that we believe, the gospel story. The king and maker of this universe came and he dwelt among us, taking on the nature of a manservant, the incarnation. He was fully man and fully God at the same time. His name was Jesus. And he lived this, the life that you should have lived and he died the death that you should have died. He was uniquely qualified to do what no other man could, be your substitute. No one else could do that. The crucifixion was the king's justice and mercy shown at once for you and me. Died for us while we were still sinners. And that king rose from the dead, showing he had life in him and had power to give life to anyone he pleased. Jesus is the Lord of life, and he's Lord over death. He is an eternal king who has established an eternal kingdom, which can only be inherited by those who are born of him. He has deposited within believers the Holy Spirit to aid us and help us in this life. He has brought us back to God the Father for the hope of joining him and bringing back others into a relationship with him. That's the gospel story we believe of our king and his kingdom. The incarnation, the life of Jesus, God came down to us. The crucifixion, life in Jesus, God dying for us. The resurrection, life with the conquering Jesus, God living in us. How do you respond to this story? How do you respond? First thing, is there any, any stirring of belief within you? Second thing, is there any belief causing conviction that's compelling you, saying that you must do something about this, what you believe? Third thing, is there a rising sense that all other things in this life are less than this one thing of finding life in Jesus alone to the point that you're beginning to, you're beginning to despise sin and anything that keeps you from him or pursuing him.
If any of those things, if those things are starting to happen with you, then I'd say it's time. I'd say it's time to say yes to Jesus. Those are the beginnings of belief and repentance. It's what the Bible calls it. Now, if those things are not present in you, none of those stirrings are happening, then you need to ignore everything else I say about responding to Jesus because we don't need any more we don't need any more lifeless churchgoers who are still enslaved to sin. We don't need that. How do you respond to the free gift of life in a new kingdom? If you believe it, you confess it. Confess it. Say it out loud with your mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is my Savior. I believe that God raised him from the dead. He is the Son of God. Pray to God. Pray to God. Tell him that you want to receive him and everything that he has for your life. Ask him. And he'll do it. And then do what the first believers did that we read in Acts. That after they they believed, they immediately were water baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Believe it. Receive it. Act upon it. That's what you do. And that's the story. And right now, we're going to take time to remember the gospel story. We're going to gather around the cross, and we're going we're to celebrate communion. Guys are going to come up. They're going to they're lead us in some worship. And as they do that, the song is being played. Uh, you can go to one of these, these places around the room where people holding a goblet with juice that represents Christ's blood, which was shed for you, a plate with some bread that represents his body that was given for you as a substitute. We're here celebrating this story that many of us here have believed and trusted in, and we've, we've responded to it. We've confessed and said, yes, it's true. I, he is the Lord. He is my Savior. I... And Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. Come into my life. I, I, wanna, I want you in the yoke with me. I want to do life with you. Many of us are celebrating that. But I know there's some of us that maybe haven't said yes to that. So we're going to take communion. After we take communion, I'm, I'm going to come back for just a moment. And uh, just want to ask you. No, reverse that. Reverse that. I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to ask you right now. There's no music playing. I'm not going to wait around. If you want to say yes to Jesus Christ, you want to get in the yoke with him, I just want you to come up here and stand with me right now. Just say it. Confess that. I will confess together. We'll confess as a body. We'll, we'll say it with you. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's my Savior. So come on up right now. So everyone stand up together. If you need to do that, those stirrings have been happening, you know it's time for you to respond, say yes, come on up here right now. I'm just going to wait a minute.